Donald Godfrey, you are an Irish Jesuit, but you're now in America, in San Francisco, and you are a chaplain there at the University of San Francisco. Tell me first your reaction to the election. My personal reaction was such a relief. Um, the election was a relief of Mr. Biden after an authoritarian president, because as I had said before, I didn't believe it was between Republicans and Democrats anymore, but between an authoritarian form of government and a Democrat. And I, I was relieved that, that democracy prevailed. Uh, I'm praying for the Republican Party. I pray that they will become a party that I can respect and disagree with so that we, we won't have the fear of going back to an authoritarian kind of government, whether it's under Trump or somebody else. But I, I was also relieved that it was somebody like Mr. Biden. He wasn't the obvious choice to be the candidate, but actually I think he's proving to be a good choice because he is even tempered, he comes from the center, left of center, if you like. Some of the other candidates were more radical and then some of their policies I might have agreed with more like Bernie Sanders. However, at this moment in the history of this country, I think somebody with the temperament, the experience of Mr. Biden is a salve, is a, is a great healer for the nation right now. We saw at his inauguration that he certainly is a man whose faith is incredibly important to him and also a big Jesuit connection there, Donald. Can you tell us about that? Lots of Jesuit connections. He's long been friends with the Jesuits. A friend of mine, Kevin O'Brien, who's the president at Santa Clara University, a Jesuit priest, celebrated a mass for him in St. Matthew Cathedral immediately before the inauguration, gave a wonderful sermon, which you can look up online, but he, uh, he, and then Father Leo O'Donovan, former president at Georgetown University, were, gave the invocation. Uh, they're both personal friends of Mr. Biden. They've stayed in touch with him over the years. Kevin O'Brien, I know, sends him uh, little texts with messages of inspiration and has done that uh, since, since he was the vice president and because they became friends at that time when Kevin was at Georgetown uh, in the chaplaincy there at that time. Uh, and then he's also a connection to the Jesuit volunteer uh, service. He helped give a retreat one time for a group of Jesuit volunteers. And Biden then, did. Yeah, yes, some year, many years ago, he gave a little workshop to some of them on at some point. And then, uh, of course, Father Leo is now involved in Jesuit refugee service. And Mr. Biden did a Zoom meeting for them just a few weeks ago, I think, uh, in which he made some promises uh, to reform the terrible policies of the Trump government uh, regarding asylum and refugee and immigration. And he got down to that very quickly, even in his first day in office, when he started to rescind some of the things that Trump had tried to pad past. It's going to take quite a long time, I think, because they have to go. Some things he can do with the stroke of a pen, but other things will take a time to process. And also he'll need some buy-in from Congress. If he wants the reform, he'll have to have the support of Congress. If he wants to reform to allow people who are in this country and undocumented presently, maybe 11 million or so, some way, a path to citizenship over time, obviously. And that I, whether he achieves that or not remains to be seen, but it's a worthy goal. In terms of his Catholicism that we saw there, why is it then that some of the American bishops have unbelievably spoken out against him in a way they never did against Trump? Well, I mean, Mr. Trump was never a Catholic, so I suppose there is, they're more concerned about Mr. Biden because he is a Catholic. And in some ways they seem more concerned about him because he's a faithful Catholic and very informed Catholic. Not all the bishops agree. 
um, they're divided amongst themselves. That's become clear. Archbishop Gomez of Los Angeles issued a statement on the day of the inauguration, which is unheard of for the Bishop's Conference. It's the Pope always sends a message uh, to a new head of state, whoever they are. And he sent a very gracious message to Biden of support and encouragement and all the areas that he hoped to work on. The Bishop sent a very different toned message uh, and they, uh, they brought up all the neuralgic points that they have with Mr. Biden, almost implying that uh, doubting his Catholicism in some way. But Cardinal Supic in Chicago issued a very unusual statement saying that he had not been consulted in that statement. Uh, so obviously for, for the first time for a long time, we're seeing the divisions openly. That may not be such a bad thing because the divisions are clearly there and there is a struggle within amongst the bishops and amongst Catholics in this country. It really upsets me when I hear bishops or priests say, Mr. Biden is not a good Catholic. I think he is a very good Catholic and he's informed by his faith through and through. By all means, disagree with him on the, the neuralgic issues of abortion and so on. We, we can debate them and have disagree, but do not doubt his Catholicism. And I think that that really upsets me because it's, it's not fair and it's also unbalanced because they don't do the same. When it was uh, Mr. Barr was the Attorney General reintroducing the federal punishment of capital punishment, I don't remember their statements um, and they're coming after him for being a Catholic at that moment. So I think it's one-sided and it's unjust. You mentioned there Attorney General Barr and being a Catholic and the, the death penalty and his unfettered support of that. Noticeable also the Supreme Court justices appointed by Trump and including Amy Coney Barrett and three of them, at least three if not four, voting to execute a woman. A woman who has had the most tragic life, clearly psychiatrically unwell, had been abused all her life and they voted as Catholics judges for the death penalty for that woman in a year when the Pope has made it patently clear that the death penalty is not acceptable. It's not church teaching anymore. Well, obviously, I mean, it's a complicated thing when you're a Catholic judge, when and how you follow the law. I heard Sister Helen Prejean speak about her on the radio here, and it was um, some a week ago or so, and she was, of course, uh, pleading with them to uh, make a stay of execution. I know that Mr. Biden has promised to end um, the federal death penalty. Obviously, each state has its own right to the death penalty as well, which he has no say over. Uh, the Supreme Court could make a statement about that, but Mr. Biden won't have any power about the, the state executions. However, the federal executions, he promised to end because there are many cases like hers where, well, I mean, I'm against the death penalty in any case, but it, you know, there, there were... Uh, dubious convictions or issue of mental health and all that. And they rushed to execute in the last weeks of the Trump presidency because they could, it seems, uh, were just horrific. At the same time, Mr. Trump is pardoning people with serious convictions who deserved to be in jail uh, right up to the last hours. Uh, people who committed very serious crimes. There are thousands of people who should be released from prison who's whose convictions are dubious or who were convicted to very long sentences for very relatively minor offenses. However, he chose 
to release people while he was executing others. It's just horrendous. You mentioned there Trump's acts in his last days to pardon people who should be in prison and increased hugely the number of death warrants that he signed. He may have more blood on his hand. What did you make of the attempted coup? It was horrendous. I I don't even know how to... I never thought... It wasn't surprising, but it was horrendous to have a, a president of the United States inciting a mob of insurrection to violently go after Congress in session during their constitutional duty. And the mob did what he asked them to do. And they broke into the Capitol. I was surprised at how easily they managed to do that. And I, like Mr. Biden, I couldn't help but contrast the response to mostly white people who were the mob invading the Capitol to the attitude taken to Black Lives Matter. And you think of Mr. Trump, who had used tear gas and brute force so that he could stand outside the church across the square from the White House with a Bible, the brute force that he used so that he could take that photo off. It compared to what happened in the Capitol that day is just very shocking. And I'm hoping that he will be convicted in the Senate. However, that is going to be a very difficult thing to achieve, I think. So, Donald, we have spoken in very dark days and we've spoken about some more of those dark days. The Republican Party, as you mentioned it, America, it's not going to be healed no matter how good the Democrats are. There are a lot of problems. What is your take on it? Do you think that the people who voted for Trump, the people who actually believe that this man 80 what percent of them that he the election was stolen from. Are those people now going to go home quietly? Are they going to say, ah, maybe we were wrong? Or is America irreparably divided? Well, that history will be the judge of that, obviously. But I think we have a serious problem. And what happens to the Republican Party matters for everybody in the country. Uh, Obviously, that 80 percent sincerely believe and wrongly believe that the election was stolen. And there's um, amongst them are uh, those who would, a small number, who will take to the streets with violence or other means if necessary. And there are those who may just go home quietly and carry on with their lives and maybe will get used to Mr. Biden and see that he isn't the monster that Mr. Trump portrayed. And I guess we don't know, but my hope is that the Republican Party may split. And there are those who, you know, never Trump, there are those who those who voted for him, who's, who believe him and have taken the lie from him. And then there are those somewhere in somewhere else. So the, the party is split and it remains to be seen what will happen. But I just hope that the populist group that took Trump at his word are in some way broken away. I mean, we need a new party. Any democracy needs alternative governments that one could live with. At the moment, I would fear any candidate from the Republican Party would go back to an authoritarian kind of government. Certainly, um, Ted Cruz and those who supported Trump, actually, I fear them even more than Trump, because they may even be more competent in some ways than he is. So I don't know what that will play out in the next number of years. And and maybe there'll be some way uh, breaking that down. And maybe some of those Trump supporters will begin to see uh, that they were fooled. Uh, as they were. I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be very interesting, but it's not just interesting. It's crucial for the future of this country. 
And you're a chaplain in a university there, Donal. Do you think, will it affect your work? Are there things you're thinking we need to be doing in any way to maybe address this situation, to help some way start a healing? I Yes. I live in San Francisco and work at the, a Jesuit university here, the University of San Francisco. It's, in some ways, we're rather homogenous on, in politics. I don't encounter many Trump supporters in my work or in scholarship. So we have our work cut out for us, but education is key. Education is key because I think as people are more educated, I think people are less likely to be taken in by populists, less likely to be fooled, if you like, because Mr. Trump knows how to manipulate people, especially if it's from a certain class. And it's also essential for us to address as Mr. Biden will, I think, some of the underlying concerns that have some substance to them in terms of the loss of decent jobs in those parts of America. And they also the condescension that those of us on the coast sometimes take towards people who are less educated. And people are very sensitive to that they pick that up. And I understand that that is, you know, it can come across and is often elitist. So we have to be careful, but it doesn't mean that we <laughs> go along with lies and an authoritarian government. We have to stand up to that. But at the same time, we have to reach out in love to people with whom we profoundly disagree. How we do that is very challenging because the gospel calls that of us. But we have to speak the truth and there have to be consequences for insurrection. There have to be consequences for violence and they have to be even-handed. So the rule of law has to come back. I think Mr. Biden understands that and I'm hopeful, but we'll see. I mean, it's a long project. It's not going to heal in any magic way in the next year or two, but maybe little by little, we will come back to some kind of uh, country. We don't have to resort to violence to resolve our differences. You've no idea the number of people here in Ireland who watched the inauguration. And obviously his Irish connection is very important and he makes no secret about that. So that's good news for us in Ireland, particularly with Brexit and anything that the British might try to do in terms of trade agreements with America. For us then, there, there is enormous goodwill. It was lovely to watch something with that young poet, the, the black woman, Amanda Gorman, and to see the very best of American society and decency on display. It must have been a real relief for you, Donal. Uh, she did a great job. She's a parishioner at a Catholic parish in Los Angeles, St. Bridget, named after the Irish St. Bridget, not the Swedish St. Bridget. So she had a strong role model in St. Bridget, I would say, uh, from a, as a young child. And She's been active in that parish throughout her life, and they're very proud of her. They put a photograph of her, of her up on the parish webpage, proud of her that day. And she expressed to a younger generation, maybe in terms that a younger generation can understand the message that Mr. Biden was speaking of in his address. Yeah, and I was very moved by her and the whole of the inauguration, even though it was very unusual in terms of the small numbers attending the 25,000 soldiers on the streets just to allow it to happen. That in itself is rather shocking. It was necessary to protect Mr. Biden from domestic terrorists who wanted and threatened to kill him. But at the same time, there was something reassuring about it and comforting. And I know I found myself crying and a lot of my friends did. I wasn't expecting to. It was just a very emotional day and just, it feels like we've been under siege and or that somebody has been abusing us for, for four years, almost every day, through tweets and through executive orders and so many other ways. 
just spreading something very, spreading lies, spreading hate, spreading disunity, spreading so many things. And just to be relieved from that is just being very um, wonderful. I still haven't got used to it. And I, I hope to get used to it very soon because we should never have to live with it. No, and the world watched. I mean, it's interesting how significant America is to the world because people rejoiced, I think, really to see that because it was very close. I mean, that attempted coup let us see how easily a country like America can slip into a fascist dictatorship. I think if Mr. Trump had four more years, it would have been his. He would have destroyed the republic. And I... I am grateful not only to those who voted and got out and voted, especially people of color in many areas who went out and voted for the, when their vote, the attempt to suppress them in, in, in many states, but also Republican governors and judges around the country who, with whom I will have profound disagreements, but they knew that their constitutional duty was to the rule of law and they upheld it. And they also, and now they've been demonized by many elements within the Republican Party, and of course, by Mr. Trump. However, they're also the heroes of this moment um, because they, if they hadn't withstood uh, the, the pressure, um, we would perhaps be in a very different situation now. And perhaps we would no longer have the rule of law or the constitution. Final word before I leave you, we haven't even mentioned COVID. Oh um, yeah, how are things there? And well, things have been bad, as you probably know, and I know uh, around the world they're bad. We, this country is in a mess. Mr. Biden's government found out why there was no cooperation around COVID because they didn't have a plan about pretty much anything. So they're trying to start from scratch in terms of a, a national plan. Of course, each state had its own plan. Each city had its own plan, but we're all acting separately. I think Mr. Biden's hoping to provide some national leadership and federal leadership, which he's already doing. Dr. Fauci said he was relieved that he could now say the science without having to contradict the president all the time. So we, we're in a better place, but it's going to take a long time. It seems the numbers are stabilizing California. The governor today is going to issue an order to bring us out of the most extreme lockdown, but we'll still have a lockdown, but the, the curfews and so on will end, I think, today, and we'll, outdoor dining will begin and so on. But it, it's going to be a slow time, and the vaccine um, rollout has not been uniform. Some states are better than others. California hasn't done a great job yet, but I think in the next few weeks we will we will do better. You mentioned Dr. Fauci. I think uh, people were commenting he gave his first press conference on his own after speaking with Joe Biden for about 15 minutes, and he was a transformed person. Everybody was saying he looked at least 15 to 20 years younger. And he, he also spoken about his Jesuit education. He's also spoken that how influential that has been in his public service and in his whole life, actually. You'd love to be a fly on the wall when he'd go home for dinner and talk about <laughs> what he had to go through with President Trump each day. Patient endurance, those two words in the Bible, he would deserve a medal for that. Yes, yes, he deserves the, the best medal. <laughs>